Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast, brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmel, the upstart colonial who has come forth to claim territory that does not belong to me. As always, I am joined today by the founder of Vanguard Tactics, my good friend and 40K mentor, the Bernard Montgomery to my George Armstrong Custer, Mr. Stephen Box. Steve, how you doing? Dave, I'm doing great. I love your intros, mate. Every week, they're a bit different. I love it. I, I Dude, I, I, as soon as you and I start talking about me doing this, I start coming up with a list of just ridiculous things. <laughs> I, want, I just wonder how crazy they're going to get, but it's good. I've had to edit a few out when I, as I'm doing my notes for the show, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. So uh, last week, we recorded part one of our review of the uh, forthcoming Codex Eldari. Uh, we covered the highlights of the Azuriani, the, the craft worlds, uh, portions of the Codex, and today we're going to shift our attention onto the Yanari and the Harlequins. Uh, I call this, uh, in my, at least in my head, the uh, Kevin Guichard Memorial Podcast. Uh, even though my college roommate is alive and well, he was the first person to give me a left eye twitch from uh, Harlequins with blind grenades back in the day. Ooh, I don't know what they are, but they sound great. Oh, it was atrocious. There was a mechanic where they would just throw these blind grenades and create tons of smoke clouds and you couldn't shoot through them. Or okay, it was we're going to talk about awful. that. It was his entire strategy. I think that's coming back oh, by the sounds God, of it. Lovely. Maybe not the same name, but you're going to feel the same way, I think, Dave. Okay. Um, by the way, Dave, we had some fantastic feedback on our, uh, on you, especially, Oh, you know, becoming the host. So congratulations. Uh, that's some awesome feedback, mate. Thanks. You know, I, uh, I've heard a couple of nice things from a couple of the guys uh, in uh in the academy and i'm hoping you're we're getting good positive feedback from everybody elsewhere too so yeah absolutely they say you do a great job so uh yeah i i agree so anyway dave what are we talking about today mate uh so we we're we're definitely getting into the uh yanari and the harlequins but before we do that we got to do our sponsor acknowledgements yeah so a massive thank you to siege studios for obviously all of their continued hard work and support of the show uh, and helping you, you know, bring some fantastic models to the table. So if you are looking for a commission painting service, then look no further than C Studios. You can check them out online. Uh, and I also, I was going to uh, tell you that I, I was looking for a new paint scheme to repaint my towel. And I was actually watching some of the videos that James has on YouTube and watching, you know, some of the stuff that he's done. It's, he does such great work and he was really inspiring me with like different color combos. I, um, it's, he just does such great work. We've, we've just been talking about a uh, the new Vanguard Tactics Eldar army, the color scheme that we're going to bring out. Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait to see it. I'm very excited. Uh, I just hope it makes the trip uh, across the pond to LVO this year. Yes. Awesome. Oh, it will be. Obviously, this year I'm definitely going to be playing some sort of Eldari or Harlequin combination. I'm sure even after this podcast episode, I'm probably going to convince myself to go all in on my Harlequin horde once more. <laughs> well, it did well for you last year, so I can't wait to see what the new codex does for you. But before we get sidetracked, uh, Academy announcements. Well, the Academy's closed, so you can't join it anymore. What you can do is sign up for the waiting list for the summer launch. So, um, yeah, obviously, massive thank you to everybody who joined the Academy but yeah, unfortunately for now, the doors are closed uh, for the time being. Obviously, we want to make sure everybody on the academy goes through all the lessons and their modules. Like if you were to study on any other sort of university course, they have an open date, an enrollment period, a graduation, and we have exactly the same. So uh, yeah, you can sign up for the waiting list over on our website, www.vanguardtactics.com. 
Awesome. Uh, and uh, before I forget, everybody, please, uh, if you like the the material that Steve and I are uh, providing you guys, please like, share, subscribe, give us a five-star review on uh, your aggregator or whatever podcast service you're listening to us on. Uh, and so we can really spread the word, not just about uh, sportsmanship and fair play, but as well, of course, about the Academy. So, uh, Steve, let's uh, let's talk Harlequins. Mate, honestly, I am so excited for this. So excited for this um this show and this army because it's a true um the thing is this army is just so much fun. That is exact that's the only way I can really describe this army. It's just bundles and bundles of fun. The Harlequins, obviously, if we think about like them as a as a faction, their play style, they kind of ignore all the general rules of the game. They're extremely elite, they're extremely fragile, but they pack a punch. They absolutely do. So um, I think in this book, Games Workshop have done an incredible job to really make the Harlequins play and feel in, a, in very different ways. And we're going to go over the three different um, ways to play Harlequins. And you're going to really feel like a very unique play style for each one of those. Um, but the really exciting thing is for this army is that not only can you just play Harlequins as a pure Harlequin army, which we're definitely going to cover today, but if you are a Craftworld player or you're a Drakari player, you can insert a Harlequin patrol detachment without breaking any keywords, which means you can still you know, keep all your benefits of Powers from Pain if you're a Drakari player and all of your benefits for you know, your Strands of Fate if you're an Azurani player um, by just including the patrol detachment which obviously allows you to take, you know, a couple of HQs, a couple of troops, elites, etc. Um, but you do have to just pay your CPs to take up that extra detachment. But a really cool, fun, and thematic way of obviously the, this Harlequin patrol joining the force. Now you do lose out on a few things if you if you play that way for the Harlequin player, um, and you only get the benefits for being a pure Harlequin army when we get to that stage, which I'll talk about. And then obviously the other way to include some. Harlequin units into your army is to use them as Yanari Harlequins, which we're also going to cover. Okay. So now they're in the same codex, but do the Harlequins get a lot of the stuff that we talked about with the Azriani, like the Strands of Fate and the Battle Focus? Okay. So Harlequins get their own special abilities. So it's completely unique to them. So what Harlequins get instead? So if we think really, really big picture, what you get for being a Harlequin is the following few abilities. So they don't get Battle Focus and they do not get Strands of Fate. But what they do get is essentially the Luck of the Laughing God. And this is their equivalent of the Strands of Fate. And what this is, is a dice mechanic where, depending on the size of the battle, you get a certain amount of dice. Now, these dice can be used to re-roll a hit, a wound, a damage a save or an advance roll throughout the game. So at the start of the battle round, you will roll X amount of dice depending on the size of the game. And I believe it might be three or four if you're a, let me just double check this so I can be very specific with you all. Uh, but you basically get this certain amount of dice for a 2000 point game. And then what happens, you get three dice. So you get three given re-rolls, okay? And you can use them anytime during this battle round. Then what you can do is you can, there's a little gambit, which you can also include as well. So what you can do is pick up a number of dice between one and six. And if you roll all those dice and you get a 
different result on each one, you get to keep all of those as well into your pool of the three. Okay? Okay. If you're not a gambling man like myself, I'm probably just going to pick one because I can never roll a double on a one, on one dice, right? Right. So I'm always going to have four lucky dice to roll. If obviously I pick to roll two dice, then the chances of rolling a double are quite slim. But then when you go into the three, four, five, six dice, it becomes more likely you're going to see a double. So any doubles you see, you do not get any of them dice. Okay. All right. So if you roll, if you roll six dice and you roll two fours, you still lose all the others. Oh, so if you roll five dice and you get two twos, you lose all five dice? Yeah. Ouch. So you've got to be careful what you gambit. Yeah, but don't be greedy. Don't, be, don't get greedy unless you really need it, maybe. But that's it. So that's their sort of, that's their mechanic for if your army is a pure Harlequin army. All right. Then obviously the other thing they get is Rising Crescendo, which is obviously what they had uh, before. And they also get this um, basically Harlequin um, canopy, I think it's called. And what that allows them to do is that they're minus one to hit in combat. And obviously because they've got flip belts, they can still ignore terrain in models a bit like they can kind of fly, similar to that in terms of how they move. Um, but then they also allow them to fall back in charge and advance in charge. What they've lost is fall back and shoot. So they used to be able to do that. Hmm. Okay. So, it, and does everybody get their flip belts standard issue or is that a paid upgrade? Standard issue. All right. And I said, I didn't play against a lot of Harlequins last edition. Did the, in fact, I don't think I did any. Um, uh, did the, what about the bikes? Do the bikes get flip belts and things like that? Or do they have their different, do they still get the, well, they get the fly keyword the fall anyway. back and shoot and all that. Oh yeah. So they still gain that. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the flip belt is essentially their um, way of moving. Um, and then the, the other side of thing, the rising crescendo is the full back and shoot um, and the advance in charge. Oh, okay, got it. So that's just that's unassociated with the flip bell. That's they're just an army wide rule. Yeah. The sorry, the fullback in charge and advance in charge. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the the rising crescendo. And then yeah. uh in order to have a Harlequins uh is there some limit on who's your warlord? There is. So if you take a like we've seen in the past where if you take like you can only take one captain, uh the troop master has to be your warlord if you take um, you know, a Harlequin warlord. So they have to be the army warlord. You can take multiple, but one of them has to be the army wide warlord. Okay. And can you have multiple troop masters? You can. No limitation. Obviously the, the book is quite limited on the amount of choices you've got anyway. So it'd be quite harsh of games workshop to then put a limit on how many of these you can actually take. Cause you can only take one solitaire. So there's already some limits in the book. Oh, okay. And obviously on a very limited model range. Right. All right. I just wasn't sure if maybe there was some new thing that was coming out in this book that give, give them another character option or something. Unfortunately not. Unfortunately not. I'd, I'd have loved it. There used to be a stratagem called the Great Harlequin uh, in the old book. And it was like a, a CP upgrade for a character where it basically made them um, have rerolls to hit in combat, which was super cool. So it would have been, been amazing if they would have brought out like a, a Great Harlequin or... Uh, literally the the laughing god himself. Oh, that'd have been awesome. Are you listening, Games Workshop? You 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 did the Avatar. Now let's do the Laughing God. Oh, that'd be sick. That'd be absolutely sick. Yeah. All right. So, um, do the Harlequins get 
uh, some sort of Exarch uh, comparable unit. What do you mean by that? Some sort of upgrade unit? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so they still have the ability to get pivotal rolls. Um, so what you allow this allows you to do is upgrade some of your uh, characters to have additional basically command benefits or auras or just you know a little bit punchier themselves so they're like you know 15 or 20 point upgrades and you can chuck that on different characters yeah yeah they're called pivotal roles and there's three pivotal roles per character and those characters are obviously the troop master the shadow seer the death jester and the solitaire and we'll cover all those today okay all right but there's no like plus one weapon skill plus one attack upgrade type things like that no not to units only the characters okay uh, and then there's a new unit uh, you and I were talking about and trying to figure out how the heck to pronounce this word. I think it's, I think we agreed it's Saeedaths. Saeed, yeah. So this is the new term for masks. Like the Harlequin mask is what it used to be called. This is your chapter or legion or whatever it might be. So your Saeedaths is your like open bracket keyword, which you replace with the one of the following three. There's three ways to play Harlequins. There's light dark and twilight so you replace that sadith with one of those keywords and then your whole army has to be obviously be that same faction all right so there's three different kinds and they're going to have army-wide or or detachment-wide benefits like your chapter or your cult or your what have you. yes so you get two bullet points of rules you get a warlord trait a relic and a stratagem specifically for obviously your army now, I will say this, there's one character, the, the Solitaire does not have this keyword, so it does not apply to him or her. All right, but that also sort of makes sense with the fluff that they were, the Solitaire is supposed to be away from the rest of the Harlequins and just sort of wandering yeah. like Kane and Kung Fu doing his own thing. Yeah, it makes sense. It also means you won't be able to place one of these Solitaires in a transport as well. Oh, okay. Because they are, they're locked to having a Sadif keyword. Okay. All right. So uh, do you want to start going through the, the sadists and uh, see, talk about what each one does for us? Absolutely. So we'll cover light first. Okay. So this is a think about very mobile, very fast shooting Harlequin army. All right. So this is where you can add a little bit more flavor in terms of, you know, bringing some more guns to bear. Um, and the reason why it can do that is for the following. So when you move, you count or when you move or advance, you count as being stationary. Good for good for heavy weapons. That's, that seems to be working well for the Tau. It also means for pistols, because obviously the Harlequins, that's what they're mainly equipped with is, is pistols. Um, it gives those bikes a little bit extra reach as well. Um, and same for, you know, the, the Star Weaver transport. So, yeah, obviously that's really nice. And then the second part is when you're 12 inches away from your enemy, you cannot be hit on a one to three. So like a transhuman, but for the hit roll instead. Oh, that's it. That's a novel approach but it makes sense that they would try that and you know the we've had the transhuman and now people call it the baby transhuman but moving that that mechanic over to being hit especially for something that's moving or is further away it makes sense yeah and you know you mentioned earlier about the sort of cloud of the cloud grenades as it were this is kind of a little bit like that and a lot of the vehicles also have an ability which allow them or should i say they do not allow you to use any form of re-rolls and they also many of them have a minus one to hit built in. So you can't be hit on a one to three, and then those tau will be hitting on fives. Um, and again, they can't use any rerolls to hit. So this army's going to be very hard to actually shoot at, especially from range. You've got to get up close and personal, which is where the Harlequins want you anyway. I suddenly want to bring back my Death Watch. Yeah. 
<clears throat> All right. So what's the what's the what's the light side uh, warlord trait? So the warlord trait is that they gain a six inch heroic intervention, and they also gain plus one attack and strength for that warlord. The heroic intervention seems nice, but the strength aren't they still base three strength? They are. So a lot of the weapons um, are now plus one strength. So you got strength four minus two two damage. So I'm going to explain how the the weapons work because they've had a really big shift in change to how they worked previously. Uh, but the plus one attack and the plus one strength is really nice because now your troop master is coming in at seven attacks and also strength five, which is a really nice sweet spot in the army. Okay, yeah. If it's bumping, if you're taking it with the the weapon upgrade to from four to five, then now yeah, now you're in a a good spot where you're wounding death guard on four ups and space marines on three ups and yeah. And there's also a really nice relic called the Gordras Rose, which we'll talk about later, which gives you reroll wound rolls. And also it actually comes in at an extra strength anyway. So you'll be in strength six. You'll be seven attack, strength six, minus two or three, flat three damage and rerolling wounds. So it's a very nice um, combination there with a six inch heroic intervention. Yeah, that's real nice. All right. And is now is that the relic that's the light? I'm going to keep calling them light side and dark side. Is that the light? Yes, yeah, fine. Uh, Sadith, was that their relic the, that gives that wound, the that weapon? Uh, that's their warlord trait. And then the relic is plus three aura. Okay, so any auras they have, they get plus three inch to the range and also on their psychic powers as well. All right. Uh, and then what's their stratagem? So the stratagem is when you're declared as a charge, you know, so let's say you want to charge my troop unit, I can move my troop unit six inches in any direction as if I was making a normal move. A little bit like that the Serbius Raiders have in Feradmech. They can make a normal move when declared as a charge, and then the opponent can declare a new charge. All right. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of movement shenanigans, and the, the, the aura expansion on that relic is going to allow them to spread out and still have their synergies. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Um, so we've got the dark side next. I'm, I'm almost afraid to ask. What is it? Is Darth Vader going to come out in a Harlequin costume? I mean, if the, if there's a Harlequin mask, it's, this this is me, the dark side, and you'll see why I love this so much. What's their uh, what's their say what's their say death abilities? Okay, so the first one is that they fight in death if they have not already fought that phase, which means they also fight with all of their attacks, not just one attack, all of their attacks. That makes it, that's a lot better than the space rain. I get one attack as I die. Yeah. It is unbelievable because there's no fight last in the army, which means for trading, this is extremely efficient because you know, oh, if I spend those two CPs to interrupt that I'm going to kill them, but they're going to kill me still. So there's, there's no way you can get, you know, get away from these, uh, these guys and girls. You have to shoot them. The other thing they get is extra AP on their weapons, which means all of their combat weapons go to minus three. Now, this is really, really big later on when we talk about one of the stratagems, because uh, there's a stratagem which, if you're equipped with a certain type of weapon, you can turn off invulnerable saves. But when you're at a flat minus two, if I want to try and kill a custody, which, you know, is pretty prevalent right now, um, I need to make sure that I'm taking their two plus armor to something worse than just a four. So this extra AP puts a custodian on a five plus armor save rather than a four plus invulnerable save. Nice. And and just and that fight on death, making that army wide, I was just thinking about how that uh 
I've seen that of work with Repentia. Um, yeah. And that's, and just people are having to seriously consider if they want to try to take on Repentia in Melee because they know they're going to pay for it and then some. Making that an army wide thing uh, with Harlequins, and especially if it's a really Melee inclined Harlequin force, that's a real threat is a problem that's what that is yeah um, because you can't just go and charge a unit on an objective thinking oh, i'll kill them and i'll take the objective we might die in the way that you do it so um i think this puts a lot of play and emphasis into it you know a combat player's hands which is why i really really like it their warlord trait as well is on a five plus to wound you do a mortal wound with your warlord i'm assuming that's in melee only in melee only okay uh so and and I'm assuming is there like the three three mortal wounds cap or anything? Is there a cap on it? No cap. Ow. Obviously, you've only got six attacks. Yeah, but still, I mean, six mortal wounds potentially inflicted. All I mean, I know rolling six five ups is difficult, especially for you and me. But um, it, but still, having the potential of six additional mortal wounds plus, uh, you know, whatever yeah. normal damage you would do. That's uh, your warlord could be laying waste. We'll cover my favorite troop master as well with all these buffs and abilities because there's some really cool ways to get that a little bit more reliable. Um, and then their relic gives you a, a, a deny the witch, or if you already have a deny the witch, you can, it gives you another opportunity to, which is okay. But the best bit about this is within three inches of this character with a relic, it turns off objective secured. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah. So those custodies, no longer objective secured well my troops are though so that's my objective sorry about that yeah and then oh, oh you want it you don't like the fact that i've turned off your obsec come try to clear me off the objective oh i'll kill you in death yeah well that, the harlequins can try but yeah at least there's the potential there yeah uh and so what's the what's the stratagem yeah the stratagem is one cp you can't overwatch me all right it's not hugely pivotal but it could definitely especially if you're going to try to charge uh, you know, an admet gun line or a, you know, big cluster of uh, crisis suits. Yeah. And the thing is, the Harlequins are only a T3 model, one wound and a four plus and vulnerable save. That's it. So against Overwatch or Flamers or something, they're just going to die really, really quickly. So again, it is something for them, which they really need. And there's a couple of ways to ignore Overwatch, but this is obviously an easy way of doing it. Yeah. Now, I forgot to ask, a lot of people are upset about a lot of the damage mitigation that's sort of become increasingly prevalent. It started with Death Guard, and now we're seeing a lot of minus one damage. Does Harlequin, do Harlequins have any of that? No, they don't. Um, most of their weapons are damage two, uh, but there is a way to get flat three damage weapons by a stratagem. So you, there is some sort of way around that. There's ways to do mortal wounds in combat. There's a ways to do mortal wounds in shooting. So again, there are some some sort of ways to mitigate some of that minus uh, damage reduction, but they don't okay. have any themselves. All right. And then I guess that brings us to the last uh, Saedith, the Twilight. Okay, so the Twilight. Now, these guys get an extra attack, which was kind of what I used to run in my last book. So you gain an extra attack. And every time they pile in and consolidate, they get an extra two inches. So it means they're going to have a five-inch pile-in and a five-inch consolidation. So a lot more still combat-based, but a little bit more mobile, a little bit more tricksy. Yeah, this surprises me that this uh, this isn't the one that you would lean immediately into because this that right there screams Steve Box to me. Additional mobility, yeah. additional melee attacks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's one of those things that I, I'd really want to test out and try. Um, 
so yeah, absolutely. We've certainly got such a fantastic way to, you know, wrap and trap and steal objectives and the rest of it. Um, and I think, you know, combined with some of the other stratagems in the books can be very, very strong. All right. And uh, so uh, does the warlord trait lean into that too? So the warlord trait is very similar to what it was previously. Um, it's a CP regeneration tool, but now there's an extra element baked in as well. So now every time you or I spend a CP, I if, if I roll a six, I gain a CP back. So there's a CP regeneration there. I would say averagely most players are rocking between, you know, 12 CPs for the game. Obviously, they normally start off about eight, gain about four over the course of the game or, or maybe even five. So there's a high likelihood you'll roll a six during one of those expenditures. Now, obviously, it's capped to only one per battle round. But here's the other thing they get as well. Um, I'm pretty sure this is intended to be an additional because obviously it'd be pointless to regenerate it. But if you choose to use four lucky dice, as we spoke about earlier, you gain an extra CP flat. Okay, so just by just by the simple act of choosing to roll four luck dice, you get a CP. Yeah. That's certainly a little bit more incentive to try to risk those luck dice. You're guaranteed then to get a CP, or two CPs every battle round, aren't you? One for being battle forged, and then one for, for this as well. So you're going to crew, you know, everyone else is accruing five, you're accruing ten, then there might be some you get back as well. Right. And, and, and this is just gaining a CP. It's not a regen. So it's, you're not capped by that rule of. Yeah. All right. All right, cool. Uh, so what's the, what's the twilight relic? So the twilight relic is called the twilight fang. This is a sword that used to be in the old book. Basically, um, it's a power sword. I think it's two damage, but you gain additional number of attacks for what battle round it is. Oh, so as long as your warlord can last to round four or five and he doesn't get clipped sooner. He's putting out yeah. an extra four, extra five attacks. That's nice. It is nice. Yeah. So you could be on, you know, nine, nine attacks, nine, ten attacks. Pretty good. Yeah, really good. All right. And uh, so what's the, and what's the twilight stratagem? Now this is really good. Every six to hit auto wounds. And the reason why this is really strong is because the Harlequins have now lost reroll wounds. The troop master previously gave reroll wounds, so it became quite reliable to get wounds onto even tougher targets like knights, any toughness eight models. But because the army's strength four base, this does mean T8 models are you know, are wounding on sixes. So now you've got a chance here to wound in your hit roll because the troop master only gives reroll ones rather than reroll all. All right. Yeah, no, yeah, that's uh I can see where that, especially for a low strength army like the Harlequins, having that six to hit auto wounding is, that could really flip some things in your favor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the troop master gives you a reroll wound of a one to, uh, you know, basically friendly Harlequin core units. There is something in this book that I do need to address though before we move on. Yeah, go for it. The Harlequin troops do not have the core keyword. What? Yeah, I think this is an oversight, but we'll find out. I'm certainly going to be, well, we on stream when we played, we played it as they had it. It would be a bit strange if the troop of the army didn't have the core keyword because then the only core keyword in the book for Harlequins would be the Haywire Jet Bikes. So I'm pretty sure that they should have it. Yeah, that but sounds anyway. like something that's going to get FAQ'd really quickly. 
yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think for, you know, TOs in, if you're playing it, just I would probably play them with core. If the FAQ comes out and it doesn't have it in, then, you know, I'll eat my hat. But basically, it'd be a, it does seem a bit weird for your main troop unit not to have the core keyword. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that just sort of defies the definition purpose of the core keyword. And I'm assuming there's plenty of abilities in the book that want to be passed on to core keyworded units. So, Loads, yeah. yeah Absolutely so. loads. All right. Uh, so uh, let's talk about So one of those things I heard about now, because I didn't play against Harlequins the last edition, uh, there was, when I, last time I played against them, there was the Harlequins Kiss. But now there's the Kiss, Caress, and Embrace. And I, have they changed it all for this edition? Yeah, so this is an interesting one because the Kiss used to be Strength 4, Minus 1, D3 damage. The Caress used to be Strength 5, Minus 2, 1 damage. And then the Embrace was Strength 4, Minus 3, 1 damage. But when you buy a box of Harlequins, you don't actually get enough to actually put on all the models. Okay, you get loads of blade. Oh, and there's a Harlequin blade as well, which used to be nothing at all. Not even an extra attack. It just used, if anything, just used to give your position away because they used to point it in the air. But now it gives you, you know, an extra attack, and I think it's minus one AP or something. But the kiss, the embrace, and the uh, caress have all just been given the same stat line. Okay, so you're basically taking a Harlequin weapon. All right, that's what you're taking. So right. if you're playing Harlequins out there, no matter what you've got modeled, it's not going to matter. You can use whatever models you have. Okay. It just means that what this allows you to do by taking at least one of each opens up a stratagem for you. So whilst your unit has a kiss in the unit, it can perform a certain or it can use a certain stratagem for the entire unit. While your unit has the caress keyword, it opens up the stratagem for the caress. So it, providing that you keep a kiss, a caress and embrace in every single squad and they hopefully are the last three models in your unit to survive, you'll still have access to all the stratagems. Obviously, if you remove the caress, you won't be able to use the caress stratagem because you no longer have one in your army. Does that make sense? In your unit, sorry. Yeah, that makes sense, Steve. So again, it's just one of those simple things of ensuring that you've got the models equipped with the right ones and you tell your opponent, the last three models I'm going to remove are going to be the kiss, the caress, the embrace, whatever. Um, and then that way it keeps it nice and super simple. But it just means that you don't have to start chopping off arms or hands and trying to equip it with how you want. So I think it's really eloquently done to make sure that people can actually use um, everything that they um, you know, want to make sure they've got model-wise. In terms of how you equipped the shooting weapons, though, depending on the size of the unit, you can only take a certain number of pistols. So, for example, in a unit size... 10 or less you can only take two fusions and two neuro disruptors and then if your squad size because they can go up to 12 is 11 or 12 then you can take four fusion pistols and four um, four neuro disruptors the fusion pistols are pretty much what you'd expect you know their strength eight minus four uh, it's a pistol so range six and their d6 plus two damage no matter what range you're at and then the neuro pistol though if you hit anything but a vehicle you do a mortal wound. Just a mortal wound. As long as you hit, it's a mortal wound, you're done. Yeah, and if you're against anything else like a vehicle, it's strength six minus three, one damage. 12-inch range. Wow. Okay, so it's it's that's good. I, quite often, you at least older codexes, you'd have that weapon. It might 
good against infantry, but it has nothing to vehicles. It would be strength two or something. Yeah. So the fact that it's great against both is that's outstanding. Yes, it's a nice it's a nice option. So I think what we're going to see is a lot of mixed units. You know, two fusions, two neuros, because that's what comes in the box. Uh, so if you went out and you know you three D printed all your fusion pistols or whatever, and you're like you got some models you can't use now, well maybe you shouldn't have three D printed all those extra bits, but you can still um, use your troop units um, with, you know, obviously they come with a shuriken pistol anyway. So that's pretty much the weapon, like biggest changes I would say in the codex since last edition. Uh, but I think it's really well done. And I think there's some really nice plays here. And obviously all of the weapons becoming damaged too now is brilliant. Just gives the army a lot more uh, consistency, which is great. Uh, so, and there's, so there's no new units. And we, as you mentioned earlier, there's, the Harlequins are just kind of sort of limited to troops, sky weavers, haywire bikes. And vo void weavers, remember. So void weavers now, they're like the, they're the, tr uh, the transport version, I suppose, of the heavy support or the heavy support version of the troop. So you've probably never seen one before, Dave, but basically in the box where you could use your transports, the sky weavers or star weavers, whatever they're called, um, you also could build a Void Weaver, which gives you a Haywire Cannon or Prasmatic Cannon. Now, these you can actually take in units of one to three now, and they're very strong. These are a real standout in the book because you can't hit them on a one to three. If you go for the light option, they're minus one to hit. You can't re-roll you know, re to hit against them. They're six wounds. I think they're toughness six. They are, you know, four plus invulnerable save, and they come with a two-shot heavy weapon which is strength 12 minus 4 um and 2d3 damage at 36 inch range and they've also got another dispersed option which is heavy 3d3 strength 5 minus 3 1 damage and they also come with uh two shuriken cannons as well and they're heavy 3 strength 6 1 minus 1 um 2 damage so these boats now are going to be putting out a hell of a lot of firepower for 90 points are extremely point efficient i think we definitely will start to see nine void weavers on the table and this is a heavy support choice for them yeah oh yeah it makes sense that, yeah you fill up your heavy support slots put nine of those out because I, I was actually just going to ask you like how are the harlequins dealing with vehicles dreadnoughts let alone knights and such but you got your fusion pistols but now you got some of these in the basket as well yeah, you don't. This way, you're not having to walk right up on a knight and try to shoot it and hope that your four fusion pistols or two fusion pistols in the squad do it. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see running two units of three or three units of two, and maybe even making it so they're the while we stand, we fights in the army, just to give another secondary option if needed. So I think there definitely could be some play there. All right, uh, what do we? What's what's next? Stratagems. All right, give me give me your top three standout picks. Oh, I've got more than three. I think I've got about right, six here. Okay, so the three plus invun is still in the book. Um, it's two CPs, but you have to advance within infantry units. You can no longer give your bikes a three plus invulnerable save. They've also kept the stratagem to fall back. Uh, so when your opponent fall backs, you can consolidate six inches into them, or you could shoot them. It's a it, it it's worded so you could do one or the other. Okay, which is really, really nice when people try and fall back against you. Um, really good. You can remove a unit from the battlefield and place it back into strategic reserve, which works really, really well with the Webway Gate because 
you come out of Strat Reserve from the Webway gate. So, and this is any units. You can actually pick up your bikes, take them off the table and bring them back on through Strat Reserve through your Webway gate. All right. So, or you, you cartwheel your, a unit all the way in to get your uh, engage points. And then if they're still alive next turn, take them off the table back to the webway gate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or, you know, battlefield edge, whatever it is, but the webway gate's nice. Um, there's a really good stratagem for plus one damage. Like I mentioned for tr an infantry unit troop, your Harlequin troop can fight again. You've got six inch heroic intervention with a unit. You've got a, a, a stratagem to take a double warlord trait, which I'm going to talk about. And then also, instead of consolidating, you can jump back into a transport, even if you've already disembarked that turn. And then we've got the top three stratagems. And those are, if you've got a kiss in your unit, then sixes to wound, do a mortal wound, cap two six, but the target unit is capped at six, taking it. So you could charge two units and essentially dish out 12, six to each. Okay. You've also got the caress, which just turns off invulnerable saves. For the entire squad. Yep. I don't want to hear anybody complaining about my one ignore invulnerable plasma rifle on my commander. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're playing town, mate. Everyone can complain about you. Um, That's true. Harlequin on Harlequin is going to be interesting, though. Like, you get no save. No, you get no save. Oh, I'm going to fight in death and you get no save. So that will be an interesting... Yeah, uh, the mirror match is going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, it will be. Um, and then the embrace, when you charge, this is in the charge phase, uh, what you, when you get your models in engagement range, you roll a dice on a four plus, you do a mortal wound, up to six as well. You cannot pair that. So if you use the kiss one, you can't use the caress one. It's one or the other. Oh, so no stacking up uh, mortal wounds, six in the charge phase and six more in the fight phase. Oh, no, you can do that combination. You just can't stack oh. the kiss and the caress, which is the mortals and turn off invern. Oh. Yeah. Because you wouldn't I'm be able to... I'm more concerned about all those mortal wounds coming in. Yeah, but the thing is, the reason why the, I think it works like that is because one's in a charge phase and one's in the combat phase, whereas the... The, the turn off invert immortals are both in the combat phase. So it makes sense. That's why you can't use them both in that same phase. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah, that tracks. All right. Uh, oh, we, I think we, we, we need to talk about pivotal roles. You had mentioned that earlier and that's one of those things that I think is going to be a big deal. Yes. So troop master, he's got three. He can have an aura, which gives plus one to charge for core units. Um, he can have a one for himself. When he wounds on a five plus plus, he turns off invans, which pairs really, really well with that warlord trait I mentioned earlier on a five plus plus. On a five plus to wound, he does a mortal wound. So not only does he does give you a mortal, he also turns off your invan with his weapon. And there's another one which means he always wounds on a two plus. That one is okay, but not great. Maybe with the Twilight Fang, it could be quite nice. Then we've got the Death Jester. A six to hit does three additional hits, and their weapons add an absolute pimping of an upgrade it's uh basically now three shots strength six minus two two damage stock that used to be a relic it's now just the standard gun you come with you can ignore lookout sir and it's got extra range as well so sixes explode with your death jester then what you've got is another one which allows you to reduce so if you basically hit a unit you reduce its move by two and it can't overwatch and there's another one, which means your opponent doesn't get a cover save against your attacks. And also every four plus to wound does a mortal wound. But you've only got three shots. And you can't take the exploding hits and the mortals in one. It's like what you can take one pivotal roll. And once you take a pivotal roll, I believe you can only take it once. Oh, okay. That's good. So you're not going to have somebody spamming three death gestures with the exploding sixes. No, you can take one, I believe. All right. Uh, what about the solitaires? 
Okay, so the Solitaire, um, he's minus one to hit in shooting, because obviously he's minus one to hit in combat anyway. Minus one to hit. And also, you can't re-roll the hit roll against him. Um, there's another one where he has to set up in deep strike, and every time he charges, you roll an extra d6, and you discard the lowest. And then his final one gives him an auto-advance six inches. And he still gets his blitz ability. So once per game, he moves 12. He then adds 2d6 to his movement characteristic from the blitz. So up to a you know, maximum of another 12. So this guy could be going 24 inches and he can advance. He could move 30 inches, charge you, and then get plus three to the pile in and consolidate. So he can pile in six and consolidate six. So potential... This guy could be put in an absolute shift in, you know, 30 plus a maximum uh, uh, charge of a 12. You're looking at 42 plus another uh, 12 inches there. This guy could go 54 inches across the table in a turn if you rolled all sixes. And meanwhile, the storm speeder is moving 12 inches. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That, and I can just see the solitaire come flying across the table 40 some inches yeah. right in your face oh you thought your commander was safe on the back line of the table no that ethereal mate you can pick him right up no more cps for you ouch yeah all right and then the uh the last one is uh oh the shadow seer that's the psyker one right that is so i really like this really toolboxy character um there's a certain aura i believe it might be six or 12 inches something like that minus one attack on your so you have to be quite close for this one to come off but yeah minus one attack on your on your opponent then there's another one which allows you to turn off all their re uh, all their aura abilities. Does that get turned off on the unit receiving the auras or the one putting them out? Good question, Dave. I'm going to ask. So the first one is within six, you subtract one from the hit roll. This one is you in your command phase, you select an enemy unit within 12 until the start of your next command phase. Enemy units cannot benefit from that enemy unit's auras abilities. So you would go, look, Got it. Mr. Chapter Master, Within 12 inches, no one's getting your rerolls. Mr. Apothecary. All right, yeah. So you're you're you have no your 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 roll rerolls or or Mr. Chaplin, all those uh things you just put up on yourself, all those litanies you just said, they do nothing. Yeah. That aura, mate. No, 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 no. Take it off. And then the final one, which is my favorite, is you reduce the range of attacks coming in at you from obviously ranged attacks by six inches. So if your range of your gun is normally twelve. Now it's only six inches. And if you're standing at 11 inches, your shot is not happening. Um, no, that's not happening at all, no. Or if you've got a six-inch range weapon, you can't even shoot. Yeah, yeah, you're, that, uh, that's a real nice melted pistol you have there, Mr. Blood Angel. It's not, uh, it, it's jammed. Yeah, those jeans they look out with those bombs, they can't even throw them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's nice. I like that a lot. Uh, so, oh, did you want to talk, since we're on the shadows here, did you want to talk about the psychic powers? Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to give you my top three. There's the double move. It's still there, but you can't charge after double moving, unfortunately. Um, and obviously it's just a normal move. The second time you do move could be good for an engage or behind enemy lines though, or, you know, one of the, um, you know, like secondary options or. Is that other... one of the one that's core locked just to the jet bikes? Uh, <laughs> it's probably core locked. Yeah. <laughs> um, and right. then also the the Shadow Seer still has his inbuilt um, within six inches. Your core units are minus one to wound. 
So again, that's, re that's really nice. Um, and then the other power that I really like is you cannot, if you put this on one of your units, it cannot be declared as an attack unless it's the closest visible and maybe within 12 or something. So there's some sort of limitations there, but a really, really good way of keeping your infantry units safe. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah, you've got to be within 12 in order to see them. All right, yeah, that's uh, that's a good one too. With uh, I mean, the the stealth suits and stuff uh, benefit from that really well for the Tau. I'm you know being able to tell, especially if you've got a unit camped on an objective. No, you're not shooting them off that objective. You yeah, can't see them. or you've just got like you know a little transport or something up front, and then you've got a big brick of twelve Harlequins that you just don't want to get shot. You're like cool, cast on them, gives them a little bit extra level of defense because they've got to get through the Star Weaver first, then maybe the five guys that were inside the Star Weaver, and then maybe the troop master or something that's also in front it's just like you just can't shoot them so i like it um then the other power which is nice is just a six plus fill no pain aura i mean you you you're in my bad dice rolls notwithstanding do you really feel that a six plus feel no pain is that much of a benefit I yeah mean, it's statistic even if you're rolling statistically you're not you're only going to avoid a couple wounds um well you get to cast two powers so it depends if you want the double move or this one, because I think you're always taking the can't target unit unless closest visible. Um, so I don't think it's bad to have in the locker. Uh, it's really good on the bikes because the bikes are, um, are three wounds each. So it does affect the bikes a little bit more than it does, I would say, the troop. But if you are running big bricks of troops that, like I do, then a six plus feel no pain. If it increases my uh, you know, potential survivability by 18%, then I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. 18% of a 10 or 12 model unit is going to be, you've, at least statistically, you'll, you'll keep a couple guys around that unit will last and keep obsecking a point or something a little longer. Yeah. And you get, get one in combat and it's going to do work with four attacks each. So, uh, every model counts when it comes to Harlequins. All right. So, uh, we covered all of these character specific stuff. We've talked about the, um, say death, say death, say death. Yeah. Uh, specific stuff. Uh, let's talk about the generic uh, Warlord traits and relics and such. Okay, so relics, I'm um, going to give you my top three again. The suit of hidden knives, basically. At the Now, this is really important, guys. So if you're playing against Harlequins, at the end of the fight phase, you swing with an additional three attacks, and each hit is a mortal wound. I'm just still hung up on a suit of hidden knives. That just sounds cool. I know. They, yeah, they, had, they, had, they had it in the last codex, which was... If you rolled a one to hit against me, you suffered a mortal wound. And obviously that could be massively modified originally. So you could get people on like minus four to hit. So every one, two, three, four uh, was a mortal wound to themselves. But now obviously it then got capped to just be, uh, you know, a minus one. That was the best, you, the worst you could ever get. So now this is just at the end of the fight phase, three additional attacks. This isn't three additional attacks after the troop master's fought. So if you killed the troop master he won't be able to do this ability. If you pull the models out so he can't consolidate into you, then obviously you can't suffer those mortal wounds. So it's end of the phase this happens, okay? Okay, got it. Next uh, one. Uh, what's your next next pick? Yeah, next one is the Rose, the Gortras Rose. Plus two strength, minus two, flat three damage, and you reroll all wounds, and it's equipped with a kiss, basically. So this does give you the option to, um, you know, do mortals, if you want, on a six to wound as a mortal, this pairs really, really well with that other warlord trait. So on a five plus to wound, you do a mortal wound. That's the warlord trait. This is his relics, and now he's re-rolling all his wound rolls. 
And then you could always turn off invulnerable saves as well because of the pivotal roll five plus. So every time you roll a five plus to wound with this weapon, you're flat damage three. If you're dark, you're minus three. Um, he's flat three damage. And then there's a warlord trait that you can double up with because I said there's a strat. You can take another warlord trait. I'll cover this now. The warlord trait is after you've rolled either a hit, a wound, or a save, if you don't like it, you can just turn it into a six once per turn. You can do this. All right. And now does that, um, you said it's equipped with a kiss. So if you have this, can the character use the, uh, the same, the stratagem? Yeah. So you could turn, you, you can, if you wanted to go full all in on the combo with the pivotal roll, which the pivotal roll turns off in buns on a five pluses, your warlord trait from dark on a five plus, you do a mortal wound. If you spend two CPs, because it's a kiss unit, you could do mortal wounds on sixes in addition. You're re-rolling all your wound rolls with your six attacks. And then with the other warlord trait that I just mentioned, you roll the six dice. So you're hitting on twos, let's say they all hit. Then you re-roll your wounds. Like, so you roll your wounds, right? You roll them all. Any five or six is going to do a mortal wound. Um, any five or six is also going to turn off invuns. And then another, if you roll any other natural sixes, that's also additional mortal wound as well. Then what you can do is take one of those dice that you didn't like. So even this is after the reroll and you can just turn it into a flat six. So that's guaranteed to give you two mortal wounds plus turn off invun at minus three, flat three damage. And if you really wanted to spend two, another two CPs and you could make him flat four damage. It's a really nice knight castle you have there. It would be a pity if my troop master here just mortal wounded it, mortal wounded it to death. Yeah. Now I don't know if the um, reroll wounds is um, basically capped. Let me just check if it's capped at infantry units. No, you, it used to be. Now you can just reroll wounds flat for this guy. So regardless of whatever you're hitting, he can be going in rerolling those wounds. Um, I think it's good. I think it's nice. Yeah. It's going to cost you a lot of CPs though for that to happen. But, and then uh, there's, you know, cause he, you know, he's going to fight in death as well, isn't he? Of course he is. Right. But uh, you know, I mean, it's certainly not something you're going to do every turn, but once per game, you're going to pick up that, you know, Trajan, you pick up. Yeah. Trajan. Bye. See you. Bye. Castlin, bye. Obviously, uh, Redemptor Dreadnought. Don't even joke. I mean, Trajan, obviously with his, um, one CP turn off rerolls. That's a problem. But still, if you don't have turn off rerolls, then this guy's going to do work against you. But I think it's cool. And, and even if you do, you've still statistically, he, you're going to put a hurt on something. Yeah. 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 And if you roll hot, if your dice spike, then psh, it's going to be nice. But it's pretty cool. They do die very, very quickly. So they, they pack a punch. So make sure you're screening out if you're playing against Harlequins. Um, so the next. Uh, warlord trait which i do quite like is an aura of a five plus feel no pain against mortal wounds that's one of the thing the army's very susceptible is mortal wounds having a five plus invulnerable uh, feel no pain against that is really really good warlord traits uh, as i mentioned top three that first one re uh, you know turn any of those dice a, a hit a wound or a save to a six once per turn is really good that's your turn and your opponents then there's another warlord trait i really like you add six inches to your charge result just add six flat six and also when you advance you don't roll a d6 you roll a d3 plus three so this guy could come out you know deep strike and you know that you're guaranteed an eight inch charge 
because you're going to roll a double one and then you're going to add six. So as long as you don't roll a double one, you're going to make a deep strike charge from nine. Yeah, days of worried about uh, coming down deep strike and am I going to make that nine inch charge? You're making it. You're making it. You're making it. Uh, I was going to ask you, is there a way for uh, sergeants or the sergeant equivalent to have a warlord trait? No, unfortunately not. Um, but I think with all the pivotal roles, you know, there's some really cool combos. Like I was looking earlier for the Death Jester with that exploding sixes potential. You could give him the warlord trait. So on a hit roll of a six, he does those exploding hits. Yeah. So again, you're going to, it's three additional hits. So each time you roll that, so you could roll your three dice naturally. You've got a 50% chance of rolling a six. If you do, great. That's three additional hits. And then you could turn like a one into a six as well. So that's another, um, you know, three additional hits then. So that's eight, that's nine shots from coming from one guy. Um, I, I rolled it out to see how many times it would take me on on three dice to roll two sixes. Um, I think it happened like on my sixth attempt, I rolled two sixes on three dice and then you just turn the last one up to a six once per turn. So this guy's putting out um, 12 shots at strength six minus two, two damage and can shoot characters. Quite yeah, nice. That's a nice combo. So there's some cool little combos in here. Yeah, I like it. Uh, any other warlord traits? No, that's it. I think that's pretty much all of them there uh, that I would look at taking. Um, there's some, you know, some relics and warlord traits that allow you or your opponent to, you know, not have rerolls against you. But I think typically you want to be in a situation where you're going for damage dealing characters rather than maybe defensive ones, because even without rerolls, your opponent's probably going to pick you up because you're so um, like weak and, you know, piddly anyway with toughness three with five wounds uh, with a four up invern, you're going to go down pretty quick with or without rerolls. So I, I would lean heavier into the damage dealing, go in, trade up on points and then, you know, either die or get out of there quickly as, as quick as you can. But such a huge amount of fun to be had with this book, I think. So should we cover? Yeah, the, I mean, the Harlequins in particular sound like such a glass cannon army or rather a glass club because they're, they're meleeing you. Yeah. You, you, w putting points into, into resilience. I mean, you want to make them resilient a little bit, but you really, you're not, there's not leaning into resilience is almost a waste of your effort. You're better off just kill whatever's there and yeah, you don't have to worry about outliving them. I absolutely agree. Okay. Yanari, Dave, you're ready. All right. Yanari hit me. Now I always used to run a Harlequin horde with the Incarn because before you could add the Incarn or the, or Yvrain or the Visarch, which are the triumvirate of the Yanari uh, characters into any type of Eldari army. Um, but that's changed now. Okay. So there are a lot of different limitations, but Yanari was in a weird place because you had to take, um, it was written for eighth edition in mind where you weren't punished for opening up more detachments. If anything, you were rewarded for it. So now uh, you can actually take all different types of Eldari in one detachment, but there are some limitations. Okay. So if you take a Yanari army, then you can't include any named characters. You can't take any solitaires or anything like that. Um, and you can't take any Phoenix Lords. You can't take the Avatar. But aside from that, most everything's fair game. Providing that when you fill out your detachment, for every non-Azurani unit, such as a Harlequin unit or a Drakari unit, 
providing that you have the same amount of Azurani battlefield role equivalents, you can unlock that slot. So for example, you could take a unit of Eldar Rangers, and then you can take one unit of Drakari Witches. You could take a unit of Guardians, Eldar Guardians, and then you could also take a unit of Harlequin Troop. So you've got your four troops there. Two pure Eldar, one Drakari, one Harlequin. Make sense? Yep. So if you want to fill out your elites, you could take three units of Banshees, three units of Incubi. It just has to be a one for one. One for one. Now, there's loads of things that you can probably imagine. So you lose. Drakari do not get their powers from pain. Harlequins do not get their laughing god. Instead, you're considered as an Azurani army, which means you would get strands of fate, okay, like we spoke about last week. Um, You also can only put all of the words like Cabal, Sedeth, Witch Cult are removed and then are exchanged with Yanari. Okay, that is basically your chapter is Yanari. Um, you also can't take any covens either. So you can't take racks in the rest of it. You can't take those. Just Drakari, Cabal, or Witch Cult units, for example. Now, the other thing as well. Oh, so you can't take, there's no homunculus units at all. So no, no rack spam, no Talos. No. Um, it just says here Cabal Drakari units in Witch Cult Drakari units and Incubine Scourge units. It doesn't say anything about Coven, so I'm assuming you can't take them, which you couldn't before. They, they just don't like them, basically. So you can't take those. Um, now, all Harlequin transports, you know, you can only put Harlequins in Harlequin transports. You can only put Drakari in Drakari transports, and so on and so forth. The characters, though, can go where they want. Okay, so you've range, you can jump in anyone's boat she wants. Um, and then you've got... If you want to take Incubi or Scourges, you've got to pay a point premium on them because now, all of a sudden, the Incubi, before Incubi never gained any sort of Cabal ability, but now you gain a Yanari ability. Okay, so you have to pay a premium for these units that didn't have an ability before to now gain an ability because Strands of Fate have replaced your Powers from Pain, but you get your two bullet points and they are Strength from Death. The first bullet point is you always fight first. That's strong. In case those incubi were just not fast enough for you folks, and uh, they just weren't dangerous enough. They fight before you do. Yeah. It's good, isn't it? That's really good. They also get, if they're below starting strength, plus one to the hit roll. So, you oh, you, you shot out one or two guys from the unit. Now they're all plus one. And is that hitting in melee or plus one to hit or shooting or all of the above? Just an attack. So hitting in uh, uh, melee and shooting plus one to hit if you clip a model off the unit. Oh, my wave serpent exploded and killed one of my dark reapers. Now I'm hitting you on twos. <laughs> oh no, not that. Oh no, <clears throat> my wave serpent, it, you know, died and my unit of dire avengers have now come out and one model died hit on twos. It's good. Uh, can the witch cult units, do they still get their combat drugs? Uh, they'll get combat drugs, yeah. Yeah, but they can't, you can't upgrade anything either. So you can't take like those extra pivotal roles or um, you can't take any Lords of Comagra or oh. anything like that. Yeah, no no Blood Brides or any of that this stuff. Nah, none of that stuff. Um, so that's how it works, right, in terms of how you can load these out. Now remember, there's nothing stopping you. There is a Warlord trait. Um, basically, uh, you regain a wound in the command phase. And also, um, if you're 
basically select it to fight if the enemy unit is under starting strength you add one to the strength and attack of your character there's a relic to half damage uh, subtract one from the damage and give you plus one to your save and then there's a one cp stratagem where if you're attacking a unit that is below half strength you can add one to the wound roll so if you just need to finish off that last custodian one cp and plus one to wound against him could be quite nice now remember you still retain all your keywords. So you're still a Harlequin for a Harlequin purpose. So that still means you can use the Harlequin stratagems where it says like Harlequin's kiss. You've still got a Harlequin's kiss. You don't remove the Harlequin keyword. You remove the Sedeth keyword. You're still an Azarani for Warlord traits in Relics. Okay. Same for Drakari. You could still take some Warlord traits in Relics, I believe. I don't think you're limited to that. Um, the only time it would be different is if it says at the top uh, where it says like warlord traits and relics if you have a drakari warlord or something then it would stop you so do check where it says under uh, stratagems or you know where it starts with this sort of part about warlord traits or relics there may be some things in there that do break some of this stuff but on the whole especially with the azarani stuff it, it's all fair game as far as i can see yeah all right there are some psychic powers as well. The psychic powers you lose. If you take like a farcer, you do lose doom and guide, but you still gain the runes of battle. Um, you still can take runes of fortune and you get a revenant discipline, which is there's some quite, you know, some sort of, sort of targeted smites here. Um, there are a um, plus one to the wound roll uh, in combat, which is quite nice. Um, you know, obviously who's not going to enjoy that. Um, you can return some models to the table as well. Again, quite good. Um, there's something here where basically if you make a melee attack and a modified six roll automatically wounds the target. So there's some real good buffing things here. Um, another one to give your Yanari unit a four plus invulnerable save. That's pretty decent as well. You know, if you give your unit of 10 incubi, Yanari incubi a four plus invun for the turn from a psychic power. Again, that's pretty strong. So, um, and then we get into the beauty of the actual units themselves. Yeah, I was gonna say that there's no special units, right? It's just the three characters. Yeah. So Yvrain, she's your psyker. She can cast two. She's got inbuilt transhuman, four plus invulnerable save. She can regain lost wounds when Yunari models die or Eldari models die near her. Um, and you can reroll the psychic test. So she's pretty good. She's strength four minus three, two damage. Every six, every hit roll of a six, you just suffer two mortal wounds and the attack sequence ends. Um, so she's okay. You've got the Vizarch, which is awesome because he gives you reroll ones to hit. That's Yanari core. So that's now Incubi, get reroll ones to hit. Harlequin troop, get reroll ones to hit. If you're under starting strength, you're probably hitting on twos already. So that's really, really good. Um, again, he can soak up wounds. He's got a really cool sword, strength five, minus four, two damage. If you wound on a four plus, you can't take um, invulnerable saves against him. Um, and also, here's the interesting thing. It says each time an attack made with this weapon on a wound roll of a four plus invulnerable saves can't be. It doesn't say unmodified rolls of a four plus. So if you can get the plus one to um, wound, yeah, I know. Yeah, you give him a strat or something plus one. On threes, you ain't taking invuns against this guy. Um, and he doesn't take up a detachment slot if you've got your Vrain. He's like her bodyguard. Um, and then you've got the Incarn. And this is a monster. It literally is a monster. 
uh, 12 wounds, six attack, strength seven. Um, and you can't take in bun saves against this stock. It's, you know, strength 11 minus four D three plus three attacks. Um, it can pop up every time something dies. Unfortunately, it can't hero clean Devine anymore. It did lose that. Um, and you know, it's got some bits of bobs here about ignoring combat attrition for your army, but yeah, what an absolute monster the Incarn is. It's, it can fly, it can cast psychic powers. I need to order myself a new triumvirate immediately. Does she still teleport herself across the field when units die? Yeah. That was the most obnoxious thing the first time I had to face that. I didn't know that she could do that and suddenly whoop, right in my face. Yeah, very strong, isn't it? So um, yeah, that that concludes it, mate. All right. that's a, There's a lot of... This is a very thick book and we've covered it. It's taken us two weeks to go through what is essentially two and a half codexes all in one book. Yeah. And there is so many synergies, so many combos, so many different ways these things are going to interact. And I think we skipped over something. What do we, what do we skip? Wait, we, did, did you, did you have any top combos? Uh, I know we talked about the one uh, kind of going crazy on mortal, mortal wounds, but uh, did you have any top combos for Harlequins? Um, not, not really apart from those ones I mentioned about the death jester and the, obviously that troop master um, where he can, yeah, basically just go absolutely mental with all the mortal wounds and stuff. So I think, you know, there's yeah. certainly some nice plays in there. And obviously the nine void weavers could be a build, you know, you can't hit them on a one to three minus one to hit, can't reroll hit rolls. So, I mean, they're a bit more of a plug in play, I would say. Um, but certainly there are some really strong combinations in this book. And I think it's going to take us a while to even figure out what they all are, especially when it comes to the Yanari aspect with fight first incubi fight last tormentors rules fight last banshees oh it's going to be crazy yeah there's i mean you can you're still now you're bringing back the Drakari codex to some degree there's going to be so many unit combos it's going to take people months to really figure out what's what are the best kind of lists to be mixing units yeah it's going to be absolutely mental isn't it yeah totally uh, all right. So, uh, oh, I was going to ask you earlier, how did, uh, how did the, the team get on at the team tournament last weekend? Okay. So yeah, we got on really, really well. Uh, we won our first round. Um, our second round, we drew dice down and they're an incredible team. Um, and unfortunately we didn't win that round. So we are now, we are on a win and loss at that point, but I played Vic Vijay. We had an awesome game against his Tau, and I just got absolutely brutalized um the i was uh yeah i was just picking up custodies left right and center too quickly um but yeah the next round we then won so we went we won we lost we won uh, we won off you know next round as well so at this point we were into the sort of final round the uh, i think the fifth or sixth round of the game and we are we drew team netherlands um now these guys it was an incredible round probably my favorite round actually uh, I had some awesome games, but this one really stands out. I mean, all of us, we just had such a good crack um, with against guys like Rude, um, awesome. My my opponent, Nick, shout out to him. We had a great game. We had a custody off. And um, this was such a tight round. It was literally, we had, I think, three draws in our games. Um, but because of the way the points scored, they just took the round and then we ended up losing but such a tight round. So they finished in fourth and we then dropped all the way down to 17th. It's a bit of a shame that we drew such, you know, two incredible teams there. Um, I think we ended up playing against third place 
and fourth place in the end. So, um, but I'm really proud of the team. Um, you know, I was happy with my own personal performance. Um, and yeah, ultimately the team's events, what a great way to play and extremely looking for, well, it, we are looking forward to the next one that, uh, the international team, uh, do anyway. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Cool. Uh, any other, uh, upcoming events for you? Uh, so I'm doing an RTT down in Toyment um, next weekend. And I, and I believe they've also asked about uh, giving them a plug for their event in the summer as well. So if you're in the UK and you want to play a summer event in July, check out Beachhead Brawl um, or the Brawl events. And you can check out that on Facebook. So Brawl events, check them out. And then you can get your tickets to the event in the summer, which is going to be down in Bournemouth. So if you missed out on Beachhead, you can come to this one because it's absolutely awesome. So make sure you get those tickets before they sell out. Very cool. And uh, I will be actually this weekend at the Battle Ready 40K Major Mayhem in Valdosta, Georgia. Uh, I know that uh, John Lennon's going to be there. Seth Oster's, uh, or um, Seth Piper, excuse me. I get my Seths mixed up. Seth Piper's going to be there and some other guys. It's, uh, I think there's something like 70, 80 players signed up. So it's going to be a really great event. Well, mate, best of luck. Thanks. Uh, and, uh, now I think it's time for the battle ready segment with, uh, James from Siege Studios. Absolutely. So we'll go over to that battle ready segment and then we'll see you Dave next week. Yes, sir. Uh, after that, after the segment, you and I will be back next week. I don't know what we're talking about. I'm not we sure. Figure something out. We will. Uh, yeah. It will, whatever it will be, you all out there in podcast land, you know, it will be awesome. Absolutely. Send Steve us and a- I are here knocking out of the park the last three weeks. We're going to do it for four in a row. Send us a message on Instagram at Tactics. What topic would you like myself and Dave to cover? Um, and, you know, we'll take all sort of suggestions on board. So anyway, thank you so much, Dave. Again, incredible host. Um, and I'll see you next week, mate. Yeah, man. It was great talking to you again. And uh, we'll, I'll talk to you next week. See you later. Bye-bye. Hey, James. Welcome back to the show. So another question for you. We've got um, objective source lighting or OSL as it might commonly be known as. So obviously it can create a really cool effect kind of on like those plasma weapons, on power swords, lightning claws. What would be your advice for people that are looking to get that kind of glow effect on their models? Yeah, no, I mean, um, a lot of people do it with an airbrush, uh, which is, um, which is fine. And again, it's stylistic. It's, you know, my, what I'll say on this is, is, is opinionated and, and, and not factual. Uh, so I just want to put that out there right away. Um, I personally don't like OSL done with an airbrush. I think it looks way too over the top. Um, it would insinuate that your model is in like a dark surrounding or cave. Um, and unless your Space Marines are at a nightclub out on out on out with the lads, it's not really the look that I like on my miniatures. Um, so um, what I would definitely suggest is is to doing it subtly with a brush and then just adding the reflections onto different areas of the model as a result of controlled application with a brush. Um, if your model's appear to be in the daylight they wouldn't be lit up like the sun by the plasma weapon or by the torch that they're carrying um if however you're doing a dnd campaign and you're in a dungeon there's no reason why your model can't have uh, have like significant osl on the model if that makes sense so uh so, so yeah just just doing it with a brush i prefer personally and opinionated as opposed to doing it with an airbrush if however you want a super quick uh, super quick execution uh, just to get the models on the table and have it looking like it's glowing. Airbrush is obviously the best way to do it. But then I still think you can be very subtle with it and add it on incrementally and carefully to the miniature. So you just to get this right, you'd paint the model first normally and then go back over this with like a really thin down sort of different tones of greens, I'm assuming, a bit like we covered on another episode where we spoke about getting those sort of blends. Is that right? Would you? Yeah, exactly. Correct. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And just, just add it on carefully and incrementally to the model. Um, you know, it depends. Again, you've got to think of surrounding. It's, are they in a cave? If yes, they'll have an ex- over-the-top glow. If, if, if they're not, then it wouldn't be as, 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 as bright. And what about washes? Do you ever use those for OSL effects? Probably to, to add a depth to the to the glow because uh, you want the deepest parts to obviously be slightly darker, but um, but not massively. Um, I, I would be just in using incrementally more saturated and brighter colours within a branch, um, or, or you know, or using various different branches to add that effect that, that are close together, so greens and yellows together, if that makes sense, uh, for a green glow, or you know, blues with a bit of a like a desaturated kind of purple as well, or something like that. Amazing. Thank you very much. No worries. We'll see you next week. See you next week. So thanks so much for Dave for being an incredible host and also James for those top tips. So if you do like the show, please remember to give us a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify. Do share it with your friends and tag us on Instagram when you are watching. It really means a lot to us. Um, And if you've got any ideas for future shows you'd like us to cover, message me at the Vanguard Tactics on Instagram and show us your kind of support and your questions and your ideas. And we'll see if we can get those covered on future episodes of the show. Um, Until then, take care and I'll see you next week on the Competitive 40K Podcast. We'll be right back.